0: This is a CNA Podcast. Doors are closing. Hello everyone, it's Adrian here and welcome to this episode of Work It.
1: And it's me, Crispina. So we have a slightly different episode today. With us in the studio is a very young man. His name is John Lim and he's 27 years old.
0: Hi John, you want to introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Yeah, hi, my name is John and I'm a speaker and a writer and also very, very interested in this whole topic of adulting, especially the transitions between school and work.
1: Great. John wrote a very interesting commentary in Today Online about how, despite graduating with first-class honours, he was put on a performance improvement plan at the company he started working full-time for.
0: Ooh, that must hurt. Okay, so for those of you who may not know, that's reserved for the lower-performing staff. Basically, someone watches over you, nannies you, until you make the cut or out you go.
1: Sounds so painful, right? So the topic we really want to get into today is the Transition Young Workers' Make from school to work. What are some of the growing pains and stumbling blocks? That's the first part. In the second part, we turn the tables and ask John to ask us questions. Are you ready, Adrian?
0: Oh, absolutely. John, recently NTUC announced a pilot scheme to help young people make the transition from school NNS to work easier. Called the Career Starter Lab, it will get a student attached to a company for three months under Mm. a mentor. Mm. They'll be paid and if it works, offered a full-time contract. Now, when I read this, I'm wondering, how does this differ from the current way internships are being done? Do you think something like this would be helpful if you had that during your time?
2: Yeah, it would have been very helpful in terms of that structured program, but some of it might still be similar to the internships that we have today.
1: What internships did you have?
2: When I was a student social worker, I remember that I was placed on placement for six months and I was actually given real clients to handle and I had to counsel them, take ownership, take responsibility Mm. for what happened.
1: Okay, and then when you went to your full-time job, was it a social work position?
2: Yeah, I was also a social worker.
1: So technically, that six months would have given you some, I don't know, training, guidance?
2: Yeah, it did give me like a lot of training and guidance. But when I landed up in work, then it was a completely different ballgame.
1: Why was it a different ballgame? Yeah, game it should have in been.
0: In the grand scheme of things, we would imagine it's mm-hmm. a great segue to a full-time job. Was it because the scope is different or was it because the internship scope was just too limiting?
2: there were probably two very different things firstly the culture at my initial placement was mm. a bit more open and a bit more nurturing whereas when you start your full time job you are almost expected to start performing from day 1 right the expectations different the second thing that was different was that in my placement there was very deliberate attempt to let you reflect on what was happening through your professors, through your supervisors, Mm. and then there would be days out. But when you go to your full-time job, immediately you are in the trenches every day, 9 to 6, and there's no time for you to
0: step out and think like, what's actually happening? I see. So the internship period, well, you get more sayang, because you're the siotiti in the company, right? (laughs) And everyone would have different (laughs) expectations, but in your full-time job is, you sink or you swim.
1: I suppose the difference is also that you are now seen differently. Mm -hmm. As an intern, of course you get an intern pay, but it's not much, right? Mm -hmm. And the supervisor thinks, it's just an intern so i'll just have to help him along and pass his module mm-hmm. but once you're a full-time worker you are paid and so yep. you're a paid employee like everybody else and suddenly almost overnight the whole concept changes mm-hmm. and the way your bosses look at you also change yep. even though technically nothing has changed in yeah. the sense that you're training you are six months plus i don't know one day yeah different yeah. You, you know what i mean
0: So what is one particular thing that you felt perhaps the school or to some extent your internship should have taught you better in prep for your first full-time job? Not just unique to you, perhaps some of the stories you hear from your friends Mm. as well.
2: For me, it's very important that in school, at university, there's that teaching around how there is this expectation of you when you start work. I think very often when people first start their full-time job, they don't actually know or they might not expect that immediately they are supposed to start performing, right? Mm. And I think the other difference that isn't often touched about is also this difference like Crispina mentioned in terms of performance at work and performance at school. And those are two different things, right? At work, it's like a wicked learning environment where you completely don't know what the outcomes are going to be. It's not more practice and you get better. Whereas I think in school, it's like a very kind learning environment where all you have to do is an essay. uh, You get the mark. And if you're not happy, you can go and talk to the professor about it but in work there are real consequences you might lose the cell it might affect someone's life and Mm, mm. Uh, this becomes like very very different that's consequential to
1: heavy consequences Is what Mm. he's saying is that at work you don't perform it's not like in school where you hand in a sort Mm. of a mid-essay and you still get 60 marks. At work, it's brutal. That's what I think he means by wicked. (laughs) And
0: Christina, maybe, because right now you have two interns, do you see employers who are listening to this? this? But do you think most employers will... Take that approach in cocooning the interns. But when it comes to your full-time staff, you just go straight. All systems go. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. When I see interns, I basically see students who Mm. are learning. Our approach is not to crush them completely that they don't even ever want to step into a newsroom again. And that's waste, right? We don't want to do that. But at the same time, we also don't want to sugarcoat the experience to really show that this is a real deal now. So when you make a decision about this career, this is what you're going to have to expect and more. John, I want to ask you about your very first job. What were some of the culture shocks you encountered when you actually started working in that you didn't even know that a workplace, you'd have to deal with this? It can be something very minor, like going to lunch with your colleagues?
2: Two jarring things for me were, number one, that there was actually a competition. Immediately, I realised that when you go to work, Mm. there are people competing for the same limited resources, whether that be a pay rise or a promotion. The sooner you realise that, the sooner you will understand why actually people don't seem that nice. (laughs) He's really scarred Mm, from this experience. He does sound like so. (laughs) And why you encounter things like backstabbing or toxic colleagues or supervisors that just don't seem to want to help you that much. Mm. So that's the first one. Secondly, you also realise that in work, you now have to work in a team and you move like from me work like university you just work on your essay to like work right you have to work together mm. on something and yeah. it's the success of the team uh, rather than your own individual performance that really matters right so those yeah. are the
1: two main culture
2: shocks
0: for social work that's a surprising bit but if you're telling me about any kind of other private company sales office I think that is a given
1: like banking yeah finance, banking everyone step each
0: other you start work with a dagger behind your back and yeah, of course you yeah, see yeah. people smiling <laughs> (laughs) you you know something is wrong when they (laughs) smile at you but social work I must say it is quite surprising but one of the most interesting culture and quite funny one I must say comes from a friend of mine she started Mm -hmm. work in this retail giant Mm. Uh, she's in the HR department and everyone got to bring their own stationery oh yeah the company doesn't provide your stationery and everyone is like so guarded about their stationery they'll label it they'll keep it in the locker there seems to be this culture of pen stealing or stapler stealing (laughs) I don't know (laughs) which got them into that what's the weirdest culture you've experienced uh, or seen?
1: When I first came, I was part of a desk that was on shift and they're doing breaking news, etc. So Mm -hmm. there was no culture of taking time off to have lunch with each other. That culture was to gobble down the food in a half an hour time and then get back to work. So where I came from, which was teaching, right? In between classes, there's a lot of time. Lunch was the highlight of our day. That was one of the things I noticed was different. Like, don't you guys need some downtime in an eight-hour day? Talking to other people seemed like a normal, natural thing for me, but it wasn't to them. Mm. It was very efficient. It was run like a machine and people just got on with it.
0: So John, in your opinion, do you think the company could have done something to perhaps acclimatise you to this culture? Definitely, I wouldn't expect them to change the entire culture just for a newcomer. But do you think they could have better prepped you and maybe just be upfront with you? It's a competition here. Mm.
2: Wow. Good question. Um, I don't think any company would start wanting to give their employees this bad impression of their company that this is a competition, (laughs) this is a dog-eat-dog. I think the responsibility is two-way, right? And Me as the employee, I should learn to take ownership and to understand what are the difficulties that are going to happen, what are the potential challenges and how to resolve them. As well, on the company's part, having those like structured onboarding sessions, orientation, even having someone show you around... The office, like where's the coffee? What can you say? What can you not say? I Mm. I think those would be really, really helpful. Some smaller companies just don't have the resources to do that. Yeah,
1: Um, Not just the resource, but also the mindset. We don't really think about it because we ourselves didn't mm -hmm. have someone hold our hand when we came in. And Mm -hmm. so when we become managers, we just assume everybody should be able to jump in and swim.
0: And for smaller companies, I notice when it comes to newcomer onboarding, because there's no structure to it, every yep. time whoever gets arrowed okay. to be the buddy <laughs> will see it in a very disgruntled manner. And likely that person would just do it at at the quickest possible manner you just go and figure things out yourself everything is downstairs just go and have a look so of course that would provide a very bad or if you have
1: any questions then you can come and ask me
0: yeah but I won't be around (laughs) (laughs) so you also mentioned about your experience with the company that rated you quite poorly you said you were flagged for double booking yourself for meetings Mm. arguing with a superior I really like to hear more on that and also submitting substandard work so firstly if you have a chance to clarify, did you do all that or felt you were just simply struggling?
2: Yeah, I did all of that. Yeah, I confess I wow. wasn't the Honestly, most... Uh, <laughs> it's the best policy. Yeah, I wasn't the model employee. Yeah,
1: But were you struggling and did you not talk about those struggles?
2: I do definitely think that I was struggling with how the culture in our company was a bit hierarchical mm-hmm. and that there was like a very sad way of getting things through and And if it didn't happen that way, then uh, you would be scolded. Yeah, the bad points about you would be shared with others. In some workplaces, there is such a culture of naming and shaming. If you do something bad, then maybe they will copy your supervisor, your director, and maybe like others who are involved. Mm. And for me, it wasn't a very pleasant experience and I right. think that's when like I began to fight back and say, I don't really like this.
1: I see. To be honest, it does sound quite uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The naming and shaming part especially, I think, it's not healthy. Mm-mm. Perhaps there were some other structural issues in the place that he...
0: Honestly, arguing with a superior would require someone being pushed to a limit, in my opinion, Mm. because that's not what we expect, even for someone new. Having said that, I left my last job because I argued with my boss, so I may not be the best (laughs) person to share this. Uh, But I'll be keen to perhaps also hear a bit more on what actually seeded that whole thing to blow up. Basically,
2: what happened was that I failed to hand in a form on time, and then the next morning, I saw this Nasty email from my manager stating that I had not handed it in. Uh, But what was worse was that she actually went to copy my supervisor, my director and other admin assistants saying that this was the second time that I had done this. At that point, I probably saw red. I felt this impulse to go and clarify things to her. So I walked up to her. I I showed her the form and... (laughs) I was just very angry. And looking back, yes, I can say like the 25-year-old me was very stupid and foolish to have done something like that. But like you said, Adrian, sometimes people are pushed to a limit and you end up doing things that you don't want to. I'm not defending myself.
0: But there's also this management ethos for any managers or leaders to praise publicly Mm but go privately. My wife actually kenna something like that. The respondent actually replied CC the entire company just to make her look bad. Of course, she was quite sore and depressed about this whole thing as well, which I can completely understand.
1: Yeah, I think public shaming is really poor management. My question is, why did you send in the form late?
2: I did send in the form late. so Why? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. So at, at that At that point in time, it was after working hours, it was 6.20pm. Oh, I can just give it the next day because I just thought, well, I mean, it's the end of the day.
1: (laughs) So you just assume that it'll be fine.
2: Yeah, assumptions.
1: The first time you sent in your form late, was that addressed by your supervisor?
0: Well, um like
1: did she come up to you and say, hey John, the timing is important, you need to send in the forms earlier, blah, blah, blah. Did that conversation happen?
0: If not, I will, the next time I'll tell the whole world.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think in the first time she did say hand in on time in future, but I didn't take that seriously. Yeah, and and I think it goes back to this whole idea, right? That when you just come out of school, you are always like in this learning mood and you always think, oh, if I make a mistake, it's okay. Uh Like, I will be able to do this again. It's like, Mm. I did badly on assignment. That's always another assignment. But when you're at work, you realize like, oh, I did badly once. Like the next time, there's going to be like a real penalty. That's when you realize that, yeah, there is a real penalty consequence unlike school where people have that learning
0: mindset hey everyone my name's stephen chia and i'm host of cna's weekly news podcast heart of the matter now each week my job is to ask questions you have like why is the coe so high why aren't singles dating or what is going on with the red hot property market in singapore If you want the views behind the news, then tune in each week as we get to the heart of the matter. We are on the CNA and Me Listen apps and wherever you get your podcasts. Hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. What would you do differently, having the benefit of hindsight of seeing what has happened, what has transpired? Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: Your biggest learning points.
0: What would you tell the 25-year-old you? Yeah, I would probably say, firstly,
2: that I would focus a lot more on the relationship. So I remember that when I first started work, I ate lunch with my colleagues for two months and I thought, wow, this is a real waste of my time, (laughs) real waste of my money too. And I would rather bring my own lunch and eat it, right? So after that, I decided that, okay, I'm going to spend all my lunch time in a room, resting, watching videos, meditating. And that's when I slowly found myself being carved out from the team and people wouldn't even invite me for any like farewell lunches anymore. But the deeper issue was that I was no longer relating to them. I was no longer privy to the office gossip or even how things were being done or what were people's expectations. And a lot of these expectations, relationships, can't really be formed just in the office. It needs to be mm. formed like over very boring
1: lunches. Yeah. Yeah. Casual
2: On the commute back home. Yeah. Casual, informal settings. So Why are
1: you- Lunch is boring. I have lunch with the team. I don't speak for the team, but I enjoy those lunches.
0: But I do have a good friend who is exactly like you. Unless pushed to the wall, he wouldn't go out for any team bonding session, etc. and all that. Yeah. He would prefer to just eat his lunch in pantry and watch Netflix just like you. Uh, Maybe you all should share an account. (laughs) But the thing is, he did something as well. He actually told his team this is how he is. Mm. Yeah, no offence to all of you. I really like all of you but if given a choice, I would prefer Mm. to just chill on my own to decompress and watch Netflix.
1: But I think you also need to compromise, La. I think you can't expect to work in a team and have people support you Mm. if you don't invest in their relationships, right? You don't have to go to the extreme of having lunch with them. Every single day, obviously, because that might kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from boredom, clearly, but compromise once or twice a week, or, yeah, yeah. or something that's more comfortable. Okay, John, time to turn the tables. You have some questions for us, so yeah. we'll try our best to give you honest answers.
2: Okay, sure. What's the best advice you've received that you would give to a twenty-five-year-old
0: today?
1: Okay, Adrian, you go first. I, I go want to see first, what huh? you say. <laughs>
0: I think the best advice that I've received and I would give to any 25-year-old today, this may sound quite cringy and for people who have heard this, you are the average of five person you hang out with. Who you hang out with at work and even in your personal life may make a material impact on how you actually progress in your life. So having said that, I'm not saying you go to the extreme and then trash and dump all your air quotes, loser friends. Uh, but <laughs> so I think bad. one has to be more discerning, <laughs> la, depending on what they yeah. want to achieve in life. and That means you may want to find mentors that you can really have a good relationship with. And that doesn't mean everyone go towards the old Bill Gates, la, mm. Tony Robbins, because mm. too far away. Just mm. a mentor who is like two, three steps ahead of you. I think that will be the perfect people you want to bring into your circle and to mm-hmm. build a relationship with.
1: Thanks, Adrian. I don't have a best advice. Okay, But I think my best learning experience... Came from making mistakes. Mm. In a news rumor, it was quite normal to be publicly shamed. Mm. In fact, if you made a mistake in your article, it was pinned on the wall with your name on it. Those were the old days because accuracy is super central. But an editor once told me that mistakes are important because they make you resilient. Actually, they give you better tools. For the next time, provided you don't repeat the same thing. Then that's a different story altogether. You coming up against <laughs> your supervisor and thinking, oh, you could have done this better was a learning experience, really.
0: Mm hmm. And I think it's a good thing to make mistakes early in your career. Yeah. yeah. Don't be like me, this uncle. Argue with the boss at 40 over years old. And then
1: <laughs> and have four children to feed. Yeah. So see, uh, it's better to argue with your boss when you're 25. Okay.
2: Seeing the conversations today, particularly around mental health, making transitions mm. smoother. Some people say, young people are just softer and they should just learn to grit through. Are young people softer and how might they thrive in this
0: complex world?
1: Are they strawberries?
0: I think young people are, but not specific to Gen Z. I think, Every young people in their own generation, Gen X, even boomers when they're younger, everyone was softer. We all have to go through that learning phase. You know, Mm. it's just like if you have ever played games, when you start as a level one character, you're always soft, right? No armor, silly weapon and all that. And you just slowly progress in life. But having said that, young people are also like sponges. They learn really, really fast. And also importantly, they can really cheong like crazy. They have the physical capacity of an Olympic athlete. Unlike older folks like us where need to take another coffee 7 p.m., you take another coffee. <laughs> can already, I need to go, go take my nap.
1: Yeah, that's an age thing. Like Adrian, don't want to generalize because mm. I have had interns, young people work for me, and I think they're not soft. Clearly, mm-hmm. they can handle. What I would say, though, is that I feel that maybe more of you are impatient. That's my reading of it. Okay, young people don't kill me, but (laughs) I feel like you're so used to and set up for instant results, right? Hmm. Especially if you've done really well in school, straight A's, all this positive reinforcement. And then when you come to work and somebody tells you, hmm, you're not that much of a hot shot. And then immediately you think, oh my God, I need to get out of here. But actually, if you put in the hard yards and you were patient, you might get really good. Eventually, when you are really good at something, really enjoy the work. Mm -hmm. Maybe not soft. I would say impatient. Please disagree with me if you feel that's not true.
2: Uh, Yeah, I do definitely think that we are probably a bit more impatient, just look at our technology today, right? It's no longer enough to have Amazon Prime. It needs to be Amazon Prime now. Two minutes
0: later.
1: (laughs) No, it was no longer to have a video on YouTube. Now it's a TikTok reel or an Insta reel or an Insta
2: story. Yeah, yeah. And we've come to the point where even Google can predict our searches, right? And even that is not fast enough. So, yeah, I do agree that we might take that instantaneous mindset Okay, so what's one unconventional piece of adulting advice you have that you think isn't readily accepted?
0: I think adulting should to mirror the characteristic of the older generation because that is something employees will not expect. So uh. if you have a Gen Z that behave in a way more like a boomer, more like a Gen X, oh, so I want longevity, I put in hours, I just do things as told <laughs> but I don't ask this and all that. I do think it might actually draw a kind of spotlight on that person. But of course, do it in an intelligent manner. Mike Rowe on Dirty Jobs actually had a guest and he mentioned something to the extent, you know, if I see everyone hating in this direction, I will go the other direction. So in a way, I think that is how you can stand out.
1: Okay, I must say this was a hard one. I had to think about it for quite a bit. I don't know if it's unconventional though, but in my experience, I would say make friends mm-hmm. without an agenda. Mm. in and out of the office. In the office, friends make work very tolerable. Mm. Out of the office, you might find a nice girlfriend or a wife or a BFF. You never know. I think approach life like an adventure. Mm. And people whom you can go on that adventure with and stop fussing about Things like promotion and title and money. And I think all that will come. Eventually, it'll come. If you're good at what you do, that is. Yeah. So make friends.
2: Okay, good advice, good advice. So last question was, some listeners are going to listen to this and expect hacks, easy ways to implement at work. But you've probably seen that each person's journey is unique and what applies for someone might not apply to another. So knowing this, what are certain principles that you think
0: might be more helpful? Tony Robbins famously said, success leaves clues. So whoever is successful, you may want to dissect and distill what makes that person Mm -hmm. successful. But the other most important thing is, study the philosopher, not the philosophy. Because many people in today's context tend to flex tend to humble brag they will say one thing but then they do another thing Mm. so you have to study the philosopher if that person doesn't take his own advice then probably something is wrong
1: I would say there are no common principles for everybody Mm. you know when I was reading your story right in your commentary I quite liked it because you followed your gut instinct right Mm -hmm. to say okay you know what this place is not for me Mm -hmm. And you follow through. And I think that's a good principle to have, which is to listen to your gut. It's a pretty useful compass. And when something doesn't work, to have the courage to walk away from it. And if you made a mistake walking away. (laughs) Yeah. Remember what I said about mistakes? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think you have a long runway to figure things out when you're young. Mm. So... Follow your instinct.
2: Wow. Okay. Thanks. Thanks very good advice. So
1: how did we do in this test?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was really good. I, I mean, so much to think about, so much good advice to implement, actually.
0: So I think this conversation really helped me to reflect how I behave when I was much younger, the kind of issues that many young people during my time actually go through. I hope these stories really resonate with many of the younger listeners out there and to give them a sense of what is to come, especially those who are going to be adulting very soon.
1: Yeah. I would say the transition from school to work is probably one of the harder ones you would do. I can think of one other hard one, Adrian, which is becoming a parent. I think that transition from singlehood to parenthood is like quite terrible.
0: That one cannot reverse. You can still go back to school but you cannot...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some things you can't have a hack for. The whole idea of not having a hack is also a good thing because everybody's journey is very different. It depends on your personality, depends on where you are, what you want. I hope the people listening, whether you're an older person or you're a younger person, you took away something about work that you can apply. Thank you so much for listening. The team behind this podcast is Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan, Tiffany Ang, Saye Nguyen, And I'm Crispina.
0: And I'm Adrian. And we look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of Forget.